Hey guys, welcome back to the Motor Madhouse Podcast. I am your host, Mike, joined by my good buddy, Steve. Steve, how are we doing tonight? Pretty good. Been a little bit. I think we took a week off there for a bit, right? Yeah, we had we had some illness going around the house and sports and all kinds of stuff that there wasn't enough time even for one hour in a week to make our schedules align. <laughs> I get that. Yeah. We've been having some good weather, though, so we can actually like... Uh, you probably aren't taking the Viper out by any means, but I've been getting some of my stuff out. So uh, I actually did take the Viper out this weekend. Oh, um, nice. And <laughs> per request of my four-year-old daughter, we had a daddy-daughter <laughs> dance, and I surprised her with it. I didn't tell her to the last minute. I said, uh, guess what? Tomorrow I'm taking you to a daddy-daughter dance. And then she just... And she knew a surprise was coming for the 24 hours leading up to this. So it was kind of anticlimactic because she goes, well, what's that? Like, well, it's a dance where I get to take you, you get all dressed up in your favorite dress. I get all dressed up and we're going to go and dance. And she just looks and goes, and we're taking the Viper. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, well, I mean, I so. <laughs> with the road, there's a little bit of salt on the roads, but we're only going three miles. So, yeah, I think we'll be OK. So I did get it out and, you know, put some check the air in the tires and all that. It's been <laughs> sitting for a while and ran. Yeah, it's, a, it's good to get them out on the road. But yeah, the salt thing sucks, but. You know, just wash it down, I guess. Like, I've kind of gotten over that a little bit. Like, obviously, I'm not going to go drive it and get it <laughs> completely destroyed and leave it like that for weeks. But no, yeah. definitely not. But um, yeah, so for today's episode, we wanted to do kind of a little thought of the thought experiment of if you had a hundred thousand dollar budget and you had to pick three cars, one that's a daily, <clears throat> one that's a family car and one that's your fun car, what would you pick? So once again, Steve and I have not compared notes. Uh, we'll see if some cars might overlap. I mean, it happens occasionally, um, but yeah, we'll go first. Do you want to start like each pick a category, do one, and sure. then uh, kind of alternate from there? So yeah, I, I would suspect that we didn't overlap much on this, but we'll see. Um, Probably not. I think it. We were talking about this a little bit too. Is like a hundred thousand dollars is like, well, that's a lot of money, but anymore, I mean, people buy cars that are hundred thousand dollars now. Um, right. I was just looking up the Tesla Model S P one hundred D like values right now. They're $33,000. Those guys who bought those in 2016 lost $100,000 on their car. So, Jeez. <laughs> so for the amount of money that you would have lost if you bought a P100D, here's what we'd buy. <laughs> That's <laughs> so, insane. <laughs> yeah. Jeez. Yeah. <laughs> it's a hell of a car, though. For, I mean, like, Not that I'm going to go get one right now, but like oh, 33000 for a 10-second car. I mean, that's kind of neat. Um, but still, mm-hmm. then that battery's dead. And then- <laughs> right, and that was that cost to bring back to life. and. Yeah. Nice, nice into the world's most expensive LS swap to get it back on the road. <laughs> yeah. So I think we, de- we define the garage. It, you would, we are family men, right? Like, so we need to have our family car, right? And we might have defined that differently. You have a different family requirement than I do. So that probably plays into it a little bit. But I figured that's what I need for the family, what my wife will probably drive. What we need to drive for work, daily driver, and then the fun car, right? Mm-hmm. So, so um, I think we should move... What order do you want to do it in? Do you want to leave daily at the end or lead with that? Because it may be the, the least exciting. Yeah, we can start with daily. Daily, family, one car. Okay, we'll, we'll let that. you kick it off. Okay, let me uh, get my screen shared here. And, all right. And, well, it's not going to surprise anybody what I picked. Um, let me know when you got me shared here. Gotcha. So... I currently drive a three series for work and I think it is a very good daily driver. Um, their P 
people get terrified of used BMWs because they are <clears throat> notoriously expensive to have a dealer fix. But if you are a little bit handy, they're not bad cars. So, and they depreciate really quickly. So you can buy a few year old car that used to be $70,000 um, and get pretty good mileage. And the beauty of this car is it has the B58, which is the new super motor, which is just bulletproof and uh, makes pretty good power. So it's the last manual three series uh, is what I picked here with a uh, inline six turbocharged motor making, I want to say mid three hundreds. I kind of forgot right off the top of my head right now. Um, probably says in here somewhere. Had a few miles on it, but my one sitting behind me has 201,000 miles on it, and it's pretty good car for me. So upper 20s on the mileage, still pretty fun. Plenty of room for taking people out to work to lunch. Um, not obviously the best uh, on reliability. I'll give it that, but um, I, I, I can handle that. I'll, I'll fix on it once in a while. But yeah, so I think I probably went a little bit too far into the fun category here. But if I got to drive it daily, I want to enjoy it a little bit too. So <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Don't knock you for that. Yeah. So all right, it's fair enough. So <laughs> mine's going to probably, probably surprise people. But my mentality is and this is the way I do it in real life too. Um, <clears throat> kind of play in this game actually is uh, I actually drive for work. My cars are kind of disposable for work. I do a thousand miles a week. Um, so I do something with good mileage, um, low startup cost when I pay for it, and uh, something that's cheap to maintain and something that I don't really care about because it's going to be thrown away in two years because, you know, I'll stack 100,000 miles on my car that I buy with 150, 200 on it, <laughs> get rid of it and get another one. So I'm actually going to go back to a car that I had, um, which may shock some people. But <laughs> oh, I, I think I know what you might go with. All right, I'm, I'm going with the second gen Toyota Prius. For oh, Haley. It's, so it's this hard is the to, hard to I say mean, that's not a good choice. So I'm, uh, you know, I, as much as I we mock, you know, Teslas and electric cars and all that. Um, this is a hybrid, obviously, but uh, having firsthand experience with one, it just was Toyota reliability, um, insanely low maintenance i mean 14 inch tires um nothing really goes bad on them they just go forever um and even when the batteries do go bad they're like three grand or 2800 bucks to get uh <clears throat> to get uh um re changed over and the second battery will outlast <clears throat> the life of the car so they're dirt cheap you can get one for you know super low miles right now under seven eight grand for one in this era so What's the battery uh, replacement? Is that just like they just pull out of the back or is it like a big job? Um, I honestly don't know. Mine went bad. And the guy, uh, I used to live on the border of Illinois and there was a, <coughs> a hybrid specialist out of Madison, Wisconsin. And he came down to my house and he did it in my driveway while I was at work. And oh, he wow. charged me 2,800 bucks with labor and wow. kept driving my house to do it. So it was back on the road the following day. And he said, in the car, 140,000 miles at the time. <clears throat> and he said, this car is just a baby. He goes, the, this car will go, you know, 400,000 miles and the battery will probably last 15 years. These are so much better than the old ones. So uh, it was kind of hard to argue with the actual data once you drive one. I mean, it was pretty practical. I had the hatchback <clears throat> with the fold-down seats for all the stuff I haul, um, you know, 45 miles per gallon on the highway. Uh, just a very user-friendly car that I wanted to hate, but it would not let me hate it. It was just such a loyal car to me. 
Um, unfortunately, it got stolen. So that's the only thing that separated it. I probably still have it. I mean, a year and a half ago, I was up at work in the Twin Cities. And uh, it was such an old beater that you had to leave the key in it to, uh, or else the car alarm would go off. So <laughs> I, I live in a small town. It had been that way for a year. I, I just kind of forgot about it. It was like a golf cart. I just hopped in it, hit the start button, and drove it everywhere. But one one night in the Twin Cities, they found it in a parking garage, and I did not have full coverage on it, so I had to <laughs> go out of pocket to buy a new car, and it was not great, but it wasn't the car's fault. The car never failed me. It was only the uh, my <clears throat> lack of preparation in a big city that made me lose part ways with it, so <laughs> but yeah, that's so <laughs> so what do these go for now? Oh, I mean, with the thing about it is the the main thing is the batteries. So you could find a 40,000 original mile one, but if the batteries are original, you know, it's 20 years old, so it's gotta be replaced. So you're, you gotta look at one that had the battery service. So one that might have one with receipts for a new battery from three years ago with 160,000 miles, I'd rather have that one than a 40,000 mile one, you know, that you're gonna yeah. replace the batteries on <clears throat> original batteries. So, but anywhere from, they finally came back down. Now the gas is cheaper, but yeah, I mean, 3,500 to 7,500, I mean, Oh, wow. Really yeah. cheap. So that, and that's the reason why this leaves me money to play with more fun <laughs> cars, which is what I do in real life. I don't want to spend a bunch on a daily of a car that's just a tool. Um, I like having the cars that I get to drive for leisure be the ones that are my fun cars, not the, the one that I'm just stacking miles on and wearing and tearing to death. No, you, you made a good point and that's probably the best way to do it. <laughs> but, um, so does that leave you with like 95 K still? Because you got like 5 K yeah. in the free. <laughs> see, see my method here? <laughs> yeah, I'm, I've only got 75 left and my next car is not much cheaper. <laughs> that's actually yeah. more expensive. So deferred gratification. Yeah, no, no. I, uh, different ways of doing it. I get that. So cool. All right. Well, so we'll jump right into family cars then. Um, yeah. so I, I likely went a different direction to you, but maybe not, maybe not. Um, and this is a car that I actually, I technically own one of these, but I, I went with a little bit different, different trim level here because I, I feel like um, I would have cha- changed a few things. So I bought this again. So I, everybody knows I'm a Chevy guy. I just really love every Chevy ever owned. This has been flawless. And uh close this out here um and this trail boss i have i've got forty-two thousand miles on it. i've had it five years which i know it's not a lot of miles over the years but it's just been absolutely flawless not a recall not a hiccup nothing just perfect the only thing is i wish i got the 6.2 um but i used to hate people who drove half ton trucks with empty beds in them just nothing going on, just driving around town with these things. But it is such a practical, such a comfortable vehicle. And like, it's so quiet on the inside. Mileage, I get like, I've gotten 23 miles per gallon on it going down the highway, but usually average around 19. But for a full size truck, and we've got four wheelers, we've got trailers. I tow a 9,000 pound trailer with mine, got airbags on it. And um, my wife likes taking it more than I do. So, for her to drive, get groceries with or whatever, it's it's a pretty badass car. And she can just run over the curb with that and then I don't have to worry about the wheel getting scratched. So um, <laughs> I wish I would have got it in this color. I think this color looks a little cooler than my uh, my dark red. And uh, with the 6.2, I think would have been the exact way I got it. But this one is about 46. So I'm, I'm uh, 
run out of money here pretty quickly. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> this is my other car that I had on here. So, um, but yeah, um, again, needing a truck for the farm, needing a truck for the family, uh, pretty important for us. So I don't know. How, I don't know if you went with the truck or not. I guess we'll find out pretty soon, but uh, it's, you know, <laughs> I, I, I debated it. Um, cause I know like I, having a four wheel drive is so important. Um, I actually, I actually chose not to with this thought experiment. Right. Um, I actually went a completely opposite direction for a car. That's not very practical. I actually kind of spent all my money <clears throat> on what is one of my dream cars as a family car. <laughs> so I, I mean, it, it, it is actually impossible to calculate cause these are so rare. I can't even find one, what they're going for. I'm going to estimate it. 50 to 60 grand in driver condition restored is probably north of six figures but if i could find one that's just like running needing some paint um it'd be the one that i'd probably want to want as a family car and it's something i've always been fascinated with i've got five kids so i kind of need a big car <clears throat> it's not this it's gotta be a suburban or big suv but this is a 1965 Oh, hold on, I lost my screen. <laughs> <laughs> so you went full fun for the family car too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, because like I said, I got a daily already. That's you know, I'm driving on the highway and all that. So this is just stuff I'm going to drive for fun. Um, you know, driving around town, get ice cream with the kids, going to our parents' house, going to school. It's a 1965 Pontiac Safari station wagon, and uh, these came with a base motor of a 389 with a two barrel. But <coughs> excuse me, you could opt for a 421 tri-power four-speed transmission so basically a giant gto which the 421 was never even available in the gto's pontiac had a cubic inch band on uh, over 400 cubic inches uh with everything besides the corvette <clears throat> um until 1970 so that's why the gto the 442 the buick gs the buick or the chevy super sport they all had 396s or 400s that was the biggest motor you're allowed to put in a mid-sized car for gm for some reason, the Corvette could get a 427, even though that was a small size car. That was kind of their, their, their little pet child of GM, so they kind of gave it special privileges. Mm -hmm. But to get a 421 in Pontiac, that was the, the biggest, baddest motor. You had to get the full-size car. So the Bonnevilles, the Catalinas, the Grand Prix, you get a 421. In Tri-Power, um, it's also called a six-pack when Mopar does it. Uh, it's three two-barrel carburetors. Uh, so, you know, for economy, you're off, operating off of one two-barrel. Then when you lay into it, you have four more barrels that open up. Uh, nice. so it's, uh, just a very aggressive motor. I think they're like three seventy, three eighty horse and with a four speed transmission and a station wagon, it's just kind it's of, it sick. checks all the boxes. <laughs> it was like the CTSV of the time, you know? Right. So I always wanted to find one of these there. There's few, they're very few and far between. Cause not a lot of guys had that mentality. If they want to go fast, they bought a GTL. If they want a station wagon, they bought the cheapest base option, but mm -hmm. there are a handful out there. And like I said, it's kind of ambiguous price figure. Cause I can't really get. A comparison on one but i think if you found a running and driving one that was roadworthy but wasn't a show car it'd probably be 50 to 60 grand because they are incredibly sought after but so i'm gonna shoot for that one needing restoration but roadworthy <laughs> um so that's, that's gonna eat up we'll call it 60 so now i'm at what 65 grand so okay yeah yeah so is your wife gonna agree with this i mean is she gonna absolutely not she hates <laughs> but that's that's okay she'll be fine. i'll just do that thing where i was like oh no it's just temporary we're gonna buy it to sell it and then i'll just slowly keep yeah pushing that down the road and be like ah you know maybe we'll sell it next season and you taught her to drive on your like a corvette or something <laughs> you or six shift yeah I, I taught her on a c5 to drive stick and she did great the first time um then she just kept forgetting to push the clutch in when she stopped 
and we were in a farm and fleet parking lot and she was doing great. And I was like, let's go on the road. And she goes, no, absolutely not. And that was eight years ago, seven and a half years yeah. ago. And she hasn't tried again since. So yeah, she could do it, but she doesn't understand why when you can just get an automatic, what's the point of this? I mean, I get it. It's, it's a luxury, but um, right. It, the manual thing though, it becomes a muscle memory and like, and that's the hard thing is somebody actually develop that muscle memory because yeah, if you don't remember to push on the clutch when you're slowing down, <laughs> yep, can get a little exactly. surprised here. So, so when now I finally did go to something that I don't own or and I have not owned uh, technically. No, I've not owned one of these, um, and I have a lot of respect for this car. And I've I kind of thought about it. If I was actually going to just stick with one fun car, that could be a track car, that could be fast, that just be cool to drive with the money I have left. So right, I spent. 25k on the f30 bmw i spent almost 50 on the um silverado i think it was like 46 right so had about another 25k in here um and so what i went with was a s550 <clears throat> mustang with the okay. performance pack uh this one has a few little things on it by happenstance but um but yeah manual performance pack like the dark blue Love the black wheels on it. Um, I don't, I think this is a base model, which eh, that's fine. Um, you know, if you're really just gonna go out there and do burnouts and do track days, probably gonna put different seats anyways if you do track days. Um, but bang for the buck, coyote, I, I don't know. Um, I, and I could have definitely found a cheaper car, I was kind of looking other ways, and then I started going to C7s and back and forth, and I just kind of felt like this was kind of the sweet spot for that amount of money. Um, I mean, you can get them into the 11s with not a lot of work at all. Um, and you could probably start doing a little bit more and get them into the 10s. Um, and they well, take just a, those... Yeah, just a blower, you can make them like 800, 900 horse, right? Yeah, exactly. Um, sick week, there was a guy with a coyote-powered car uh, this past week, and he took the whole thing, and he ran a 630 average oh, wow. over sick week. <laughs> so... Um, pretty crazy, which I don't know if it'll be coming to six summer, which is going to be up by you, but pretty excited yeah. to see that. Yeah. It's uh near my home track. So I'm excited. They're, they're going to be the three days here. It's actually the uh, Byron drag strip, which is our local track. They have uh Sunday, I think is like set up and test and tune is day one. Uh, day one's Monday, but they're all meeting Sunday night here. And then mm -hmm. Monday's track day, first day of the event. And then they're coming back Friday and the last days at this track. So it's like three days here. It's gonna be awesome. It's be so close to us to go swing by and check out some cool cars and hopefully bring the yeah. kids to see some races. I was watching the footage of the sick week down in Florida and like they, I mean, there's so many people just lined up. I mean, they were talking yeah. about when they were lined in for safety check, it was like a 60 minute line, right? Like wow. just to get checked in. Um, but yeah, I, I'm kind of debating on taking off work just to kind of bomb around and follow that, like and go to some of those events i think that'd be kind of fun but definitely definitely gonna go to at least a couple of the uh, byron ones though so yeah I, I have no excuse it's close enough so i just gotta <laughs> gotta swing out there the kids will be in summer vacation anyway so they don't need to miss school they can just come over yeah but um but guys... yeah for for a fun car I, I have a hard time passing that one up it's not gonna be a collector necessarily but whatever just gonna beat on it you know right so for my final uh, fun car yeah Ooh. i pulled up the I have 35,000 left to spend, right? Give or take. I'm going with a six speed manual 2009 Pontiac GXP. 
Um, for those who don't know, this was the premium edition of the Pontiac G8, the only one ever available with the manual transmission and the LS3 motor. Um, how many, you probably know better than I, how many they make? They just like over a couple, a couple thousand maybe of these. Uh, yeah, I used to know, but yeah, it's something like that. Like it was super low. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, but right now, like this is in our car. I think we, you know, that we'd consider to be bottomed out. It's, uh, they've never really gone far below their MSRP even with some miles on them. Uh, remember for a little bit, you could see some 80,000 mile ones down in the twenties, but then they kind of bounce back up into the thirties now. And um, even the low mileage ones might be pushing over 40, but I think if you can find with, you know, 60, 70,000 miles in the manual, you could probably still get one in the mid thirties. So 1,829. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, it's about as rare as the Viper, <coughs> which was going to be my, car but i figured we already covered the viper on the show so i don't want to go back in and reiterate i, I assumed um, you were going to viper, viper, as, as i saw the dollars disappearing i'm like Ooh, i don't know if he's getting a viper anymore. yeah no <laughs> no and the wagon i really want but uh the uh the thing about the viper too is with five kids it's like i can take one at a time and it's it's just not really practical this is a four-door uh it's got the manual trans got 430 horse endless modifications you can do to it um so you've owned a g8 but not a Correct. gxp right okay yeah i had a supercharged g8 so it was faster than a gxp but it is an automatic so if i remember correctly, this this chassis was like what the caprice and, and chevy yeah. ss performance were kind of like not based off of but like it was a earlier generation of right yeah very similar but very comfortable cars um they still kind of look they look fairly modern for being you know 15 years old now honestly but, yeah uh, they're, they're kind of coming back on me like i would say that these look cooler from the outside than the chevy ss right yeah um i'd have to see the interior to really remember them i remember driving a couple of g8s and at the time being fine with them but um it, it is the best I, I think that's a really good power to weight ratio like that's yeah. just a really you're not gonna get into crazy trouble with it but you like still have a ton of fun right like um yeah. Yeah, that, <laughs> and you could use that for everything. You could still use that as a family car. You could yeah, still... this one, this one could be all three boxes. It's family, it's <laughs> exactly. fun, it's daily, yeah. uh, depending on what your daily routine is. But um, yeah, I mean, it's still an LS. So you're getting twenty some miles per gallon. So and, and you know, parts are cheap and plentiful. Right. But uh, yeah, so that'd probably be my my go to. It's kind of my theme. Is I I like family hot rods in this stage of my life. You know, right. the like I said, the Viper's fun, but. The only time I've gotten it out, you know, is for a daddy-daughter dance when I can take one kid somewhere, which is super rare. <laughs> and then every other time I go up by myself, I feel guilty because they all want to go for rides. <laughs> but I think um, calling that out is bottomed out is uh, a good move. I, you know, like, I don't know if it's actually bottomed out in the sense of, like, if it was cheaper ever before. But, you know, I, I do think it's kind of been forgotten a little bit. And you think about the ATSVs, CTSVs, you know, and, and um, now CT4, CT5s, right? The Chevy SS, like, I think those kind of got more attention. But when this really comes back around and people are looking back 20, 30 years, like, I think that's going to be one of those ones like, oh, that was the Pontiac, right? The, the last. Right. Like, that was the last year of Pontiac, too. Right, right. Which I don't know. That's it's debatable if that changes the value, but it's just something cool about that. Being this is their this is their last ditch effort to kind of try to save the company, which clearly eighteen hundred and twenty nine <laughs> wasn't. Well, I don't know if that was like their intention to make it a low production, but yeah, right, yeah. I, I never understood why that chassis never sold well. I mean, GM just didn't do well with the styling on the GTO, right? Because that was a similar version of the Alpha. 
right uh chassis if i remember correctly so or not alpha so God, what was it called back then i don't remember but it was a similar chassis um and that didn't sell the g8 did okay but still not not amazing the ss yeah really the well g8 was only two years of production i mean 0809 <clears> right. so i mean none of those were ever if they were kind of des- desperation mode you'd see trying to get back to their roots of performance cars and it's yeah. kind of what made them big you know they, they started out being like the the lower end you know you had like cadillac and then buick and then chevy and then or no, then olds and then the, uh you know pineac was kind of lower echelon in the 40s and 50s and then they kind of broke out of the scene with the gto and they became like the, we're the performance company now um right. and then that's kind of it's credit for starting the muscle car craze which is debatable but um it's still largely credited by all historians it was the first muscle car so pineac kind of got their seat at the table being the performance car company and for 10 years <clears> not even because the gtl was in 74 but 73 and 4 were kind of a joke they weren't really performance cars <laughs> um but they always held the, had the firebird chassis all the way through that never lost production until 02 but after that you know it just kind of the tl which didn't really you know two years kind of failed and then yeah they tried to get up the g8 so well and then you know during the <coughs> 90s obviously nothing was I mean, from gm was all that great there was some okay stuff but like obviously the catfish camaros and the the transams and firebirds at the time were were we're okay, but like the the Trans Am and Camaro were so similar that you might as well didn't really matter which one you bought, right? It was the same right. exact car, exactly. Um, so, and there was a lot of that going on where they're just sharing chassis between brands, like just rebranding them. Um, and I think that killed off a lot of those because the the Pontiac wasn't unique anymore. It was just oh, that's just a rebranded Chevy, right? I mean, little Chevy drive <laughs> thing. I mean those. People, a lot of people don't realize that, you know, back in the, until the late seventies, every manufacturer had their own motors. I mean, right. Buick, Olds, Pontiac, Chevy, Cadillac, all had their own drivetrains um, across the board. And then they went to the corporate motor in like the seventies and eighties. I think there were some like Firebirds that got some Oldsmobile like motors in them, like 403s and stuff. And then vice mm-hmm. versa. A friend of mine has a 75 Oldsmobile. 98 convertible and it has a Pontiac motor in it from the factory. So they started doing weird stuff. Like they started just trying to interchange things, probably for all the emission reasons, like, Oh, Pontiac already has this motor passed. Let's put it in this car until we get ours certified um, for all the EPA paperwork to get all the smog motors done. But then the eighties was the corporate motor, small block Chevy and everything. Um, yeah. I mean, not quite. You said 307 old, and, you know, Buick still had like their, their 3.8 and all that. But as the years went on, the motors that were tried and true, like the 3.8 went to every GM car, Chevy, Pontiac, um, all the Bonnevilles and, and Monte Carlos and everything at the 3.8. So they all kind of just shared with what was working and reliable because it got way more competitive on just making reliable cars. Well, yeah, and it's way cheaper to design one motor. But the, the problem that they didn't realize is that they were just going to kill all those brands too. Then at the right. same time, right? Just different uh, trim packages for the same car over and over. Right. And Ford had the same problem with Mercury and Lincoln. And you know, look at the Crown Victoria, Mercury marquee and lincoln what was yeah, the well, lincoln? before you keep going down this because you're, you're gonna oh. catch the car i'm gonna bring up you're if you keep going you're gonna get to the one so <laughs> <laughs> stop right there um i i don't know if you've got a bottomed out car ready or if you just want to do one this episode let's do one because then we okay. can both talk about it yep it's one but it's two because it's exactly along what you're talking about and you're probably you're probably 30 seconds away from getting to it <laughs> if you kept digging and going off memory yeah. um but i think another car that's uh gonna be going up in value that's as cheap as it'll ever be is the uh, 
Mitsubishi 3000 GT Dodge Stealth Turbos, the VR4s, yep. although, you know, the 3000 GT, same car, which is, yep. I don't know the details on that history on why Mitsubishi and Dodge were co-opted Yeah, it was together. Diamond Star Motors, right? So right. they, um, there was Eagle, and they had the Eagle Talon, the Plymouth Laser, and the Mitsubishi Eclipse they also made. Right. And then um, shortly after that, they came out with this collaboration as well. And yeah, I don't, and they, they did that for a while. So the Dodge Self, like into the 2000s, was mm-hmm. still based on the Mitsubishi Eclipse. And you wouldn't have thought that. GT. Yeah. Uh, well, the just the regular Eclipse. There was like, oh, that, oh, gotcha. Yeah. The front wheel drive. Um, yep. Stealth and the front wheel drive uh, Eclipse. They were the same car still. So gotcha. There was quite a bit of partnership there. But, yeah, that exact car. I don't know the story, but they are super cool. Like the mm. especially was it the VR four? Yeah, yeah. Had the big um, wing on the back and all wheel drive twin turbo. Well, they had active aero too, didn't they? Like, didn't I, th- I, think, I think, so. think I remember that. Like they would uh, uh body panels would be moving around when you're getting to certain speeds, right? Like, yeah. A, a friend of mine who you met actually, he uh, he he was he graduated before as a freshman. So he's like five years older than me, but, uh, he had a 96 Corvette in high school, LT one or LT. Yeah. LT one six speed. Um, that, you know, you'd think he had the fastest car in the parking lot, but there was a kid who had a Dodge stealth twin turbo that his grandma bought him. And then like, <laughs> they had a bunch of stuff done to it. I mean, the boost was cranked up and stuff and they actually got like, you know, into a pissing match of which car was faster. And this was 2003 ish, 2004. So pre-cell phones. So he wishes he had internet video of it. But outside of the high school, there's a four-lane road with stoplights. And the whole school knew there was going to be this race after school. So they all lined up. People, I mean, all the students were out there after after school ended. And <laughs> they, they pull up to a, a green light and wait for it to turn red. I mean, just traffic's just backing up yeah. down, down this busy you know road <laughs> at, at 3 o'clock on a weekday. Um, and long story short, the the this, uh Dodge Stealth uh, walked away from him. Oh, and, yeah. But, you know, it's a twin turbo car with mods against a stock LT1 Corvette. But it was yeah. still one of the one of the craziest things I've ever heard. I mean, I wasn't in high school at the time, but my both my brothers were there. And, like, all of my friends and all this stuff, they always talk about it. Like, it was the craziest thing. How nobody got arrested is beyond them. <laughs> but um, or I think at Dodge Stealth, I think of that kid that, that won his, his grandma bought him one in high school when it was, like, a eight-year-old car, you know? Yeah, but... That's a really good choice, and I, I think they're underappreciated. I think they're it's it's gonna be one of those cars that in twenty years, somebody's gonna go, oh, those all disappeared, right? Yeah. Like, um, I was at um, won't give the guy's name, but there's a somebody that's very um, well off around here that we helped deliver a car to his house. My friend and I delivered a brand new C8 to his home, and he has a lot of really nice cars, and you know mostly older gms from like the 60s and um but he had a couple corvettes in there and then down in the basement of his garage so his garage had five doors along the front with lifts at every door and then in the basement he had lifts that are front to back and in there there was a dodge might have been a stealth maybe i can't remember if it was mitsubishi now it was a mitsubishi and i thought it was a very odd car for this person he's like no i was that was the first car that got me into cars, right? And I just kept it forever, yeah. right? And they're all over the map because you, you can find a non-turbo one that's yeah. kind of rough for like five grand. And then you can find mm-hmm. a twin turbo VR4 and it's like 22, Yeah, but, which I still think isn't reasonable. I mean, if you think about Dodge at the time, outside the Viper, it was like their only performance car. 
you know, yeah. in that era. So it was like, it was kind of like the Viper's little brother, you know, it was like the Camaro to the Corvette, but well, mm-hmm. bad analogy because those are pretty close in performance. But, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but still, I mean, and they're radically different. All-wheel drive, twin-turbo V6 versus, yeah. uh, you know. And I don't V10. know if that motor was in anything else between other than those two cars. I'd have to look it up. I'd be interested to see more about that one. But like the DSM cars, so that was the four-cylinder, right? So those... I don't know if you ran up against one of those, but those are fast cars. Like people just throw a little bit of money in them. I mean, it's you know, it's a little four cylinder. They just put all the boost into. I mean, they're they're making ten second cars out of these things for like ten grand. You know, just not a lot That's of money crazy. into them. Um, and the, the autos are the way to go. Apparently, they just like actually hold the power and get moving, and they're all wheel drive. Um, there's actually a, a friend of mine, Matt Morris, and he makes like custom exhaust for them. Uh, that's just like his career that's his company that's his name uh, yeah and uh he's known across the whole nation to sort of modding those things but <laughs> but that became like then the evos kind of were a evolution of that some uh lancers and everything like yeah, that so right the people who moved out of those cars moved to lancers so i'd say the stealth and vr4 were kind of like the godfather to those cars in the u.s right like, yeah yeah that's um, fair and I, I had another friend who would um well a friend of mine's cousin had a uh crazy built like 10 second uh was it i think it was a talon i don't know if it was eclipse i think it was a talon the all-wheel drive like the first yep. gen or whatever but <laughs> just like boosted, yeah just boosted it to the moon and he said it was like insane i mean they were like 20 years old at the time they had this just, like 10 second car they're playing with and like yeah. you know, their dad their dads were hot riders with like, muscle cars and stuff and they're like wow you're pulling that kind of power out of these little things this is nuts yeah. like <laughs> it's faster than anything we've ever had but um yeah, those are kind of in the same category, so I don't want to break that into two episodes. All those kind yeah. of early 90s turbo Mitsubishi Dodge, <laughs> whatever projects that crossed over. Now, yeah, and I'm just like curious what those go for because, I, again, I, I think that's a good call. Like, I, I think those are super cool and they're just like underappreciated. I've never, I've never been in one even. Like, I haven't ridden no. one. Yet, so. No, I, I was looking into the VR4s not too long ago, but it just, well, I didn't have the money to spend at the time. Um, <clears throat> That's like when I bought that WS6, I was looking around, but they were all kind of over 20 grand. I'm like, yeah, it's a little more I want to spend on uh, just a summer toy. It didn't but, really get the import like blow up like the Supras and the uh, right. Integras and all that, right? Like, um, Yeah, they kind of flew under the radar. I mean, the mm-hmm. Eclipse, those are the Eclipse in the first Fast and the Furious that Paul Walker was yeah. driving at the beginning, right? Yeah. So that, that one seemed to get a little bit more airtime and mm-hmm. it's, you know, it's a front wheel drive car. It's not as cool to me as an all wheel drive. Yeah. But um, yeah, that was the... Uh, I think those cars are are going to be do, doing some good money in the future, and they're already appreciating, obviously. But I'm still keeping my eye out if, if I can snipe snipe a deal at the right time. That might be a, another good car just to hold on to if you if one comes across. I mean, yeah, you, again, <laughs> you, you think about the guys who are our age in high school that really wanted one of those that had the poster mm-hmm. on their wall or whatever, like that couldn't quite afford it. Like, those right. guys can be, uh, yeah, I'm in my 40s now, getting there, I can probably, you know, get that car that I always wanted for 30, 40 grand or whatever. Yeah, yeah, definitely be a thing. Yeah, oh, that's a good one. <laughs> yeah, well, anything else you want to close on? No, no, I not for now. I'm just waiting for it to get warmer out, get my my oil change down on my car, so I can really beat on this thing a little bit. But well, we'll tell you more about that one maybe another time. But yeah, yeah, it's for another episode. <laughs> yeah, awesome. Well, guys, thanks for listening. And uh, if you haven't already, please head over to iTunes, give us a uh, review, and you know, a five star review. Hopefully, help. Uh, boost us in the algorithm and follow us at the motor madhouse on Instagram and YouTube. So thank you. All right. Bye.